0: Hi and welcome to the pollsters. I'm Margie Omero, Democratic pollster with GBAO, and
1: I'm Kristen Soltis Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights.
0: And each week we bring you the polls, driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture.
1: So this is our last show of the year. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm a little speechless right now because right before we begin recording, Margie talked about. We were doing the soundtrack and a typical thing you do when you're testing microphones is you'll get asked, Well, what did you have for breakfast? And so right. it's just a mundane thing you can talk about. Yes. And Margie said, Well, I had my breakfast salad and I and I I like stopped and was like, Wait How a do minute. you not know this about me by now? I feel what a little hurt. Is it How many mic checks have we done to get involved in breakfast salad?
0: Okay. So it's s- spinach and cottage cheese and then Ugh. olive oil and, and salt and pepper and maybe a little lemon juice. And then there's some other thing that goes into it. So like this morning it's avocado or maybe if there's, you know, like leftover rice we could heat up or sweet potato, some like other added layer to make it get a little bit, you know, hard boiled egg or what have you. And then you feel like the morning is off to a good start. I do get hungry by like 10:15 if I do that. <laughs> but but that's cuz I wake up at like early. Anyway,
1: my breakfast is I feel like breakfast salad needs to involve some kind of traditionally breakfasty food. Like I would have a salad that has like bacon and cheese on it. That's right? great. I do sometimes put like a
0: hot, you know, kind of egg like Okay, okay, we're in. getting closer. We're it getting depends closer. on the amount of time and, you know, there's my workflow in the morning. I'll do lunches and breakfast, breakfast for myself. It's a whole thing. So it just depends on how that little routine is going. See, but I'm just, I'm
1: so the opposite. I'm like, man, Starbucks new chicken sausage. Cheesy biscuit is uh, transcendent, guys. <laughs> yeah, those
0: things are good. Look, I was traveling on Friday and I had the like the Impossible sausage
1: breakfast. They have those at Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts. Donuts now. That's, How was it?
0: It was delicious. Oh, I good. was like, oh, that I have to have that. Like, I just I love the Impossible. I could get. I could burgers. go there. I could do that. So yeah. So you know, I like those things, but I feel like my resistance practice needs fuel good fuel from the from the jump, like well, from the, the moment I get up breakfast in the morning, salads are I have to be <laughs> ready for resistance all day. And that requires starting with a little like superfood.
1: Well, we hope that you are starting off your push to the end of the year with uh, a good start here listening to the pollsters. We are going to spend today's show checking in on where the polls are at as we come to the end of the year. But then we've got our 10 big polling beefs. Inspired by a Twitter thread started by Arielle Edwards-Levy about the, the things people say about polling that drive her nuts. If you are going home for the holidays and you are interested in this stuff, in the same way that there are those placemats that are like, here's how to argue with... Your aunt about healthcare over Thanksgiving that really don't exist on the right, but apparently do exist on the left. You saw the one I did about Mark Penn. Yes.
0: <laughs> like how to talk about how to deflect and then pivot to neutral grounds like Mark Penn. <laughs> that was one of my better tweets, I thought, of the year. Anyway, keep going. year in review, I'd like to talk about my one funny tweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have the 10 biggest myths that we think you are likely to hear from friends and family as you go home for the holidays. We're going to give you our best arguments to combat fake news about polls. So let's first check in on what's going on in the latest polling. Big news is that 538 is launching their own polling averages on the Democratic primary polling in key states. And they have a very long, very interesting post from Nate Silver explaining what makes their new 2020 Democratic primary polling averages different. Now, in disclosure, on this show, we always load up the real clear politics average into our script before each show. So we may, for the next couple of weeks, take a look at both. Yep. See, you know, the shop around, competition is good. Um what's interesting is the explanation for why things are different um, and what sort of methodological concerns they've taken under consideration. So, for instance, one thing they do is they're going to be adjusting state polls based on trends in national polls. So my sense of 538, uh, pardon me, real clear politics, is that it's very much just like what you see is what you get. Right. The Whatever the latest two polls are that get added are mentioned. Some of those polls... We on this show don't love as much. We think they're methodologically more questionable, but, you know.
0: They're pollster neutral.
1: They're pretty They're pretty pollster neutral. It seems. Where 538 is going to be making judgment calls, um, a f- changing for, again, mm-hmm. if in the national polls a candidate is surging, that will also have an effect on what they're showing is happening in the states, which is interesting because it may mean that a national poll, which those come out more often than these state polls will show a candidate doing well. And even if no polls have come out in that state showing that 538s, they will be doing what they call a trend line adjustment. They're going to make inferences. So it will not just be sort of Pure polls. It will have other sort of assumptions laden in. They'll be adjusting for house effects. So they note that morning consult tends to have the best numbers for Joe Biden. Emerson College tends to have really good numbers for Bernie Sanders. They will be adjusting for those house effects. Um, they're going to set their average so that it moves at what they believe is the appropriate speed after big events. So one thing that you have to calibrate is if a new poll comes out, how much does that poll's newness Make it the most important poll in your average. If you make new fresh polls a really dominant factor, your average will move a lot, but it'll move very quickly in response to fresh data, where if it is less sensitive, a new poll might move it a little, but it's waiting for more data.
0: I like reading this, and it, it almost makes it sound like they're putting their foot on the gas pedal, or they're letting up on the gas pedal, or they have a bunch of dials that they're spinning you know, around, like they're in an airplane or something.
1: Or maybe they're standing in a data cave with a whole bunch of data and charts like, projected into the air that tar- they can swipe away with the their head. <laughs> turn the speed. Um, uh, you know. Adjust the house
0: effects. Okay, adjust the house effects. <laughs> All power to forward shields. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not how it works, but that's sort of how I, in my head this sounded like. Um, no, but it's cool. And, you know, I mean, there's a couple things about this. One, it, I mean, you can look at the difference between the national and they have national and they have state level and early states. And you can look at the differences between this and RCP. And, and there's a difference of like. One point, and it just goes to this kind of larger – which is potentially meaningful, potentially not. But it goes to this larger question of what are we doing with the – why – why are we so closely monitoring the public polling on the primary? Generally it was, you know, the, these models are not designed to answer that question. We want it because we want it. That's what people seem to want. Um, I've been looking this week through a variety of public polls trying to answer a question that's not about the horse race just to answer another question. And I just have to sift through like a billion horse race questions in basically every poll done at state level, national level. I mean, just gobs and gobs of horse race, primary and general election questions to get a, like two or three questions about something else, some other topic that's going on in that state or in the country. So it just reminds me thinking of that exercise at the same time with this, like the incredible, overwhelming amount of horse race polling that, you know, post 16, we were like, we should stop looking at horse race polling. There's still just gobs and gobs of horse race polling.
1: So, when it comes to sifting through all of this, as always, we will keep you posted on the latest and greatest. Um, we are now sort of back from our holiday polling drought hangover with plenty of fresh data that's come out this week. And according to the Real Clear Politics average of where things stand as of press time, Biden's still in a uh, strong position at an average of 27 points, Sanders at an average of nineteen, born at sixteen, Buttigieg at nine. We may have seen peak Mayor Pete, as I think I hypothesized last week. Um, according to the five thirty-eight average, you see us a, a pretty similar. Uh, sort of thing. You see Biden as of uh, December 16th in their average was at uh, 26 points, Sanders at 18, Warren at 15, and Buttigieg at uh, 9.5. So the
0: same ranking.
1: The the same ranking, pretty close on the numbers. So they're telling a similar story. It's not not dramatically different. Uh, In terms of Trump job approval, we have job approval doing what it's done most of the year, which is not moving much more than a point or two in any direction. 44% approve, 52.8% disapprove. I got some blowback on Twitter on Friday. I posted a link to my new Fox Nation show, What Are the Odds? But you have to be a subscriber to Fox Nation to watch. It's like Disney Plus, but for Fox News. So if you like really want more Fox News content than you can get by leaving your TV on Fox News all day. Fox Nation's got you covered, guys. Uh, So, you know, on Fox Nation, I do this show every week, and I had Josh Crosshauer. Yes. Whose name I just pronounced correctly. Yes. uh, On the show. Who has a great podcast called Against the Grain. Great podcast. He's excellent. And we came on to talk about things like the economy, the impact it's going to have on President Trump's ability to get reelected. Is it a factor? Is it not a factor? And we talked about the remarkable stability of his job approval. And there were a lot of people resistance people on Twitter who are like very upset that I used the word stable to describe Trump's job Mm. approval. Like as if that was like endorsing it or saying it's good because I mean stable just means it hasn't moved that much. And I have news for everybody. At the start of the year (laughs) his job approval was roughly 43 percent. It is now 44 percent. It has not moved beyond one point in really either direction it's stable that's not great stable guys it's Uh, not good
0: it's stable but it is you can can take
1: a glass half full glass half empty approach on whether 44 percent is a good or bad number but stable is not making a value judgment on that point (laughs) but people were like i mean not people like six twitter accounts but i was like go find something else to be angry about do you think that i it's it's, it's not, a fact. Yeah. It's a fact. It's a flat line, guys. It's a flat line. I don't know what you want me to do about it. You can be mad about it. Don't be mad at me about it. <laughs> Just report the news. <laughs> Alas. What are the odds that somebody would get mad on Twitter? What are the Twitter? odds that someone get mad on Twitter? Pretty high. Um, and then on impeachment, uh, the impeachment tracking uh, from 538, theirs shows uh, on impeach or impeach and remove. They show uh, about 47% support impeach and remove. About Forty seven percent don't support impeach and remove. Fox News's polling came out this week and their trend is also pretty flat, but they tend to show a much higher number for impeach or impeach and remove than the averages do overall, which will lead us into our polling beefs segment in a moment. But their new poll that came out this week showed 50% of Americans would like to have President Trump impeached and removed. 4% say impeach him but do not remove him, which apparently is a thing that is under consideration, (laughs) that like the House would not send the articles of impeachment to the Senate. They would impeach him but then not go forward with the trial, like somehow procedurally, that is a possible thing. I don't know. Um, But hey, 4% of Americans are on board with that plan. So knock yourselves out. And then 41% say he should not be impeached, which is the same as in late October. So this is showing a pretty flat trend line. But again, probably not great to have 54% of people say they would like to see you impeached. So there you go. There's a value judgment. This is not a good poll for the president. Yeah. But the fact that his numbers are stable, that is not a value judgment. That is a fact. You say
0: that like <sighs> I'm supposed to be able to understand that. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> I know. Monty, I'm preaching to the <laughs> choir. You just happen to be here in the room with me. As I, know, I get it. I get it. But if you look my at my the jet. 538
0: impeachment tracker, it is stable. Like people were talking a lot about the Fox News poll, but overall it's stable.
1: Yeah. So. And and it may be a house effect of Fox's poll that they are showing a higher impeachment number Maybe. than the average overall, but the Fox poll has been stable, the 538 average has been stable. There we go. Yes. Not a lot has changed on people's views of impeachment over the last 2 months.
0: Okay, so we're going to take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about our year in review and partisanship
2: and beefs. Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. According to studies, less than 13% of all inventors who hold a U.S. patent are women. Black and Hispanic college graduates patent at half the rate of their white counterparts. But we can fix that. By increasing participation in innovation and patenting by underrepresented groups, it would quadruple the number of American inventors and increase annual GDP by almost $1 trillion. Okay, so we're
0: back. It's almost the holidays, the winter holidays, uh, as or Christmas and Hanukkah, as some people call it, but it is generally called Chismica if you watch the OC. The the winter holidays um, and. Over Thanksgiving, there was a lot of, like, kind of ridiculous over-the-top talk about fighting with your relatives over the holidays. That's kind of less of a thing for the winter holidays for some reason. It's like a Thanksgiving thing, I guess, because you're all sitting down at dinner. I don't know. Just that whole meme just went crazy. But we never talked about this at the time, but Huffington Post did a uh, poll that showed – Just 16 percent of Americans who had a Thanksgiving dinner said politics came up at all. This was, you know, after the fact. And only 3 percent, I think this is of everybody, say that they had an actual argument over politics
1: at Thanksgiving. Fantastic. Good job, America. So that's actually,
0: I mean, that's amazingly low given the amount of insanity that happened over, like, What do you do, you know, over that? So so that's interesting. But that doesn't mean we are not divided because that is still true. Pew just came out with something like moments ago that confirms what we all can see plainly before our faces, which is there are like wide partisan gaps on all kinds of issues, particularly on guns and race, but on all sorts of issues, um, and they tested a variety of issues uh, with climate, social safety net, immigration, role of government, um, where there's a really wide party gap. And the party gap is bigger than any other kind of demographic gap. Race comes second, religious attend- attendance, education, age, gender, further down the list. The biggest gap comes along party lines.
1: Yeah, the, the, the biggest gap on issues, again, gun policy, racial attitudes, and climate are the ones where the parties seem to be the furthest apart. I feel like that you can actually look at the Trump presidency as having either enhanced or diminished some of these partisan divides depending on the issue. So, for instance, role of government, business economy and labor, foreign policy, like Trump has taken positions that are sometimes outside of what, say, a Bush era Republican policy would have been. And so while his policies on things like guns or climate and environment are like sort of inflame or or exacerbate those divisions between Republicans and Democrats by sort of taking positions, I mean, you know, that are very different from where Republicans maybe used to be on foreign policy, scrambling some of that, those divisions have shrunk. So it depends on issue by issue. I was most fascinated by the piece of this report that dives into where younger and older Republicans agree or disagree. Um, that For older and younger Republicans, there's very little division about whether sort of white privilege exists, where they stand on the question of gun ownership uh, versus protect the rights of Americans to own guns. I know you do not love the wording of that question. Mark, Ugh. you just gave me the thumbs down. <laughs> um, I mean, they got like, you know, decades behind it. But so. there are pretty big differences on foreign policy Good diplomacy is the best way to ensure peace. Younger Republicans, much more sort of peacenik rather than like peace through strength types. Mm -hmm. Um, Legalizing same-sex marriage has been good for the country. Majority of young Republicans say yes, but only 31 percent of older Republicans. Um, Immigration and the environment are ones where we see the biggest gaps.
0: So the issues where there's the biggest partisan gap are also that happen to be similar ones to where there's a big age gap among Republicans.
1: Related, you can read the selfie vote
0: <laughs> and find booksellers
1: near you. A great Christmas present. If you are still looking for a gift to get that special someone, the selfie is that, vote is still available on Amazon. Is that how you is that help with family
0: fights over the holidays about politics or is I that feel like, like
1: the selfie vote is the perfect book to turn the temperature down. Mm. Regardless of whether your relatives are Democrats or Republicans, there's something in the selfie vote for everyone. I think that's love.
0: I think that's likely very true. Now there's no <laughs> Gap. There's almost no age gap among Democrats for all these things.
1: Yes, that's I mean, basically,
0: interesting. Like basically nothing like on any of them, which I just find very interesting. Um, and then big differences between – they looked at uh, white Democrats versus African-American Democrats and they found pretty sizable differences on not all of the questions but on some of them, um, particularly – Uh, It is not necessary to believe in God in order to have good values. There's a large difference there between black Democrats and white Democrats, Um, same-sex marriage, climate, and society is just as well off if people have priorities other than marriage and children. So some of these kind of social, quote-unquote, social issues. Um, So anyway, some interesting stuff in there, which folks should take a look. Some of it will not be a surprise. And these are questions that Pew has asked over the years in a variety of contexts. So they're just you know, exploring this and digging a little bit deeper. And I think some of these uh, subgroups are are helpful to look at.
1: Well, let's go through and debunk mm-hmm. some of our polling dumbest takes. Yeah. Uh, so that you, as you go home, can be armed to combat dumb polling takes that may come your way. Right. And send you into 2020. Prepared. Prepared and, and armed with the knowledge you need to... Be a thoughtful consumer. Well,
0: here's my here's how it might go. You're going to go home and your crazy uncle, right? This is how the story goes. Says, oh, what do you do for fun? Oh, I I listen to podcasts. Be you know? <laughs> like, like which one? Oh, this one about polling. And then someone will say, you know, any of these things. Polls are polls are bad. Polls are dumb. And you will say, no, polls are not dumb. And let me counter. Let me with like with Wonder Woman's you know silver bracelets counter all these barbs.
1: So. Let's let's tackle these one by one. These are are pulled from a tweet storm started by Ariel Edwards-Levy. Where and we get most of our funny you.
0: content, by the
1: way. Yes. Uh, so here are what I think are the 10 biggest polling hot takes. The first is very newsy because this week, Senator Kamala Harris, who is no longer running for president, um, but, but was still tweeting about polls, um, tweeted out this latest Fox News poll about how 54% of people believe Trump should be impeached. And her tweet said, and I can't get Twitter to come up on my computer right now, so I don't have the exact wording of the tweet, but it was like, even viewers of the president's favorite network say blah, blah, blah. That's not what a Fox poll is. Similarly, a CNN poll. Is not just polls of people who watch CNN. Yeah. An NBC poll is not just polls of people who watch NBC. A Republican pollster is not just polling Republicans. A Democratic pollster is not just polling Democrats.
0: That's not how it works. That's not how it works. I mean it's just it's reflective of uh you know I I don't think everybody needs to know all these things. It's good if you know this, but I can understand how someone might this new this information might slip through the cracks. I can I can see that, right? It it's reflective of what people the like mistrust generally people have of the media and pollsters that they're just quick to assume that it's Somehow wrong. And so that's what a lot of these beefs are, like how quickly people want to assume that something is bogus.
1: Yes. Which leads me to second thing I, I, that I think we you should be prepared to debunk or at least critically discuss is, yeah, but weren't the polls all wrong in 2016? Yes. That one... I get that a lot. (laughs) Yep, you're going to hear it. I get it a lot.
0: I get it like at least once a week still. The
1: national polls were not wrong. We just don't elect president via national popular vote. That's not how it works. So there were some polls in key swing states that were off in a way that dramatically underestimated Trump's chance of winning them, which led people to think he did not have a great chance in the electoral college. Uh, But the polls since then... 2018 were great congratulations british election pollsters they did it you guys crushed it
0: i mean you know i'm not a fan of the results but at least the polls you know were not a surprise
1: yeah no this was a great night for conservatives if if, if you are right of center it was a good night in the uk and the polls almost exactly nailed it um okay number three faux precision be on the lookout for. Well, this person has 47.83% among women. Last month it was, you know, by among men it's 78.62. This won't come up at your dinner table probably. No, but this is for you, you being smart know. as you head into yes. 2020. If a poll is reporting multiple de- like a decimal place or beyond, that is not necessary. I would not recommend. Do not do it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's giving a
0: false sense of precision when it does not exist.
1: Yes, polls are useful for measuring. I, what, was it was it Lee Mirengoff who said like it measures pounds not ounces? No,
0: it was someone Cliff Zuckin. I think.
1: Oh, Cliff Zuckin. Yes. Okay. Um, I've
0: quoted him so many times I should know how to pronounce. Well, I his may last have just name. botched it.
1: I've said that very confidently. He said it.
0: I'm- it's designed. It's, you're asking something that's designed to measure pounds to measure ounces, and that's what you do when you have, like have something
1: to hundredths. Yes. Don't lop the decimal places off. Uh, Number four. Well, I've never been (laughs) polled. But you'll hear that one. Why have I never gotten, uh, gotten a poll question? And the thing to bear in mind is that in a country where there will be millions upon millions upon millions of votes cast, think about each of these media polls. If they do a poll a month between now and Election Day, that means they will have interviewed... 12,000 people, right? You know, twelve a survey a month for a year, 12,000 people. And then multiply that out by all of the different media organizations and like, okay, maybe you're looking at 100,000 people will get polled on the high end for a national survey. And then think about how many millions of people are voting. Like the odds that you will get called are extremely low and that's okay. It's okay. It doesn't mean the polls are wrong. Just because you've never been called and you never know, Tomorrow could be the day. Answer the phone. Take your polls, guys. (laughs) Get those response rates up. Yes. Number five, why aren't there equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats Uh, in this poll? This makes me crazy. This is one. Margie, go off, Queen. This (laughs) makes me
0: nuts. Because, I mean, this is a thing that I've seen Republicans talk about, Mm -hmm. like in full seriousness, including Republican pollsters, including people who poll for the president, I'm sorry, who say, why? This poll is biased. Uh, what a it subtweet! Uh, it's all right. I'm going to do Democrats. You know, next. <laughs> and, but, oh, I'm not criticizing it. <laughs> but it is just makes me crazy. Like, Democrat. There have been more Democrats than Republicans. Democrats have had the advantage in party identification for a while. I mean, there've been com- flashes when that's not true, but consistently, Democrats have the advantage uh, uh, over Republicans. So instead of like, so either you know that, but choose to ignore it in order to like get in a little rumble, you know. Or you don't know that, in which case you should not be commenting on polling (laughs) being accurate. (laughs) Like that's just, you know, and you should instead spend your clear, like, the new time you have on your hands from avoiding this dumb fight to like try and figure out why there are more self-identified Democrats than Republicans, that would probably be a better use of your time than to just be like, I found a thing that is actually a thing you did not find. It does not exist. So that just makes me crazy. It just makes, you know, adds to this mistrust of it all. And it just makes me concerned as to the motivation of folks who should know better who say stuff like that. So that just makes me Nuts.
1: Yeah. There's a, anytime you see somebody criticizing a poll by saying, well, but they're under sampling this key group. Right. Because they just don't want to hear from people who, there are obviously, there are polls that do get put out that, do, that have samples that are off in a right. key Too way. Much college educator, whatever. Yeah. I like can't. you, be a thoughtful consumer of sure. that for sure. But also be skeptical of people who like, they have an incentive to dislike a poll because they don't like the results. And so they're going to go try to nitpick and find problems where problems don't exist.
0: Right. So the one that was happening on the left, which I also found ridiculous, is CNN kindly releases their crosstabs from their public polls. And not everybody releases, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of elaborate crosstabs. And... They had – for sample sizes that were too small for the subgroups to show, they would just write N.A. So they had – you know not applicable. So they – instead of just cutting it or having a number that's too small to really analyze, they just had like N.A. And so it highlighted that visually if you were looking for something. And they had N.A. for like 18 to 29 in like a Democratic primary. I don't know if this was I.O. or national. It doesn't really matter for the story. But people were like, aha – CNN is out to get Bernie Sanders because this is the group that really supports Bernie Sanders. They interviewed no young people. How dare they? And then there was some like additional conversation like, well, no, they did. They just don't release groups that are too small. Well, they're too small because the you know corporate
1: media is out to get them. And that is not true. That's just. They're too small because not enough young people vote in primaries. Yes. Go vote, kids. That's been true. It's for, important.
0: Yes, that's been true for a long time. That is not new, you know. And primary voters, up, primaries often skew a little bit older because those are the folks who are more regular voters and so on. Now mm-hmm. that doesn't mean those things can't change if people get excited, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, but to just like look at that NA and just decide, you know, seize them. Like it's just, you <laughs> know, <laughs> is not is not looking at kind of the big picture of what is happening it's much easier explanation to say maybe it's because the younger people are not really voting the same percentage as older people and also 65 plus is like a really big age range as opposed to 18 to 29 as opposed to like a corporate conspiracy like
1: make sure we don't you know Hey, pass it on. Don't. (laughs) If you call them and they sound really young, hang up the phone. Yeah, No, that's
0: not. not That 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 doesn't really sound like a good explanation to me.
1: Okay, number six. But nobody has a landline anymore. How can you trust the polls? Nobody has a landline anymore. You are correct. No one has a landline anymore. So how convenient for us that polling does not really happen that much via landline anymore. Huzzah! We have figured it out. Yes. Now, I I don't want to be too glib about this, because there is a lot of polling that still does rely in part on landlines, and that's okay. There's very little that's 100% landlines. Very little that's 100% landlines. And the polls that do supplement with either online or uh, Text. uh, text or cell phone, usually the people who take it via landline are different than the people who take it via cell phone. There's a very interesting Twitter thread this week from Nate Cohn, who was talking about how... They find their cell sample to be very male, which means that their landline sample, when they balance it all out, like their landline calls are more older women and their male sample tends to be younger. So if you look at the overall men versus women or old versus young crosstabs, nothing would look amiss. But if you look at like men 18 to 35 or women 65 and up, like it looks like your poll actually doesn't have very many Old men or young women, which is why you have to sometimes wait on the interactions between right. variables. But that's neither here nor there. The the point is that pollsters are doing things to get beyond the landline and to supplements. So don't worry, you're right. Not a lot of people have landline. We're we're anymore, on it. We're aware. We are on <laughs> it as an industry. Okay, number seven: the shy Trump vote. People are afraid to say they support Trump. There's actually not a ton of evidence that that's the case. Yeah. That the polling error in twenty. 20- 16 in those key blue wall states was not necessarily people not saying they support Trump. It was polling methods that were contacting too many people with college degrees. And some subsequent follow-up papers that have been presented at APOR over, I think, the last two APORs have tried to really crack the code on. Are Mm -hmm. people changing their story or they were afraid to say they supported Trump. But then once Trump won, they said, oh, I support. And they, they don't actually find right. that, like, if you like Trump, you're not really hiding it. Um, and that there may be people who say they are undecided. This was the Tony Fabrizio takeaway that they dug into the undecideds and found some of them really liked Trump more than they were reporting. But it is not the case that, like, 30 percent of the country secretly loves Trump and just isn't telling pollsters about it. And the polling industry has gone to great lengths to find out if that's the case because that would really be problematic. Yeah. So far, not the case.
0: Yes. Okay. So, number eight. they Candidate A went down one point. They're surging. They're up one point. You see this a lot in the primary polling. Headline writers. It's... It's It's, bad. I mean, you know, the outliers get more coverage. So that's one piece of this. Uh, But also, I think people just want to see a like a rollicking good time going on in these horse race numbers. And so they just want to show something. It's not as interesting to say no change, like no real change. Mm -hmm. But that is what's often happening.
1: So look at the numbers. Don't look at the words that characterize surging, falling, plummeting. Like, yes, be wary. Actually, look at what the numbers have said. Yep. Number nine. Yeah, but my Uber driver said. Oh, this is mine. The Tom Friedman 2.0-ing. Ugh. The, that, like, and this is not a polling thing, but it's
0: just also my beef, which is related, which is, like, the people who complain about Gate 35X and National on Twitter. Like, those two it's things. It's terrible, I, though. I, I, <laughs> it's terrible, but, like, it means you're going to a smaller city. And if you are on Twitter being like, I hate this trip, you know, it sucks to be me. Like, I just find that, like, it, a real... So, like you have lo- you're not it's in touch. Like you just are, you're a telegraphing like how much of a hassle it is for you to travel to a place that has a small airport without a lot of, you know, without a lot of like daily shuttles constantly. So that is tied to, for me, to the like qualitative anecdata of like whatever your Uber driver said. Sometimes people do it with their like driver that's taking the studio for a cable hit. And then I want to like throw, My phone out the window. I find that like so incredibly whatever. Like I don't mind if people are having an interesting experience with their Uber driver. Like was it you who had like their Cookie Monster voice? Like that's like. Something specific about it. I was your... not
1: drawing conclusions about the Democratic yes, primary. Right. I was just legit disturbed. That, exactly. Like, that's fine.
0: Left. I was like, no, oh, God, that's fine. That is, is just like I am narrating my life for, <laughs> for the public. And that's fine. It's like my Uber driver knows such and such. My Uber driver wants to know why blah, blah, blah. Like that's a sign that you have like literally not ventured, but you've not ventured very far if you were relying on your Uber driver. Not that Uber drivers are not representative of a cross section of America. That's not my point. My point is where what are you doing to go out and meet folks? And it's clearly not very much.
1: Yeah. If you if you are a reporter and you are stopping in little dive bars and cafes in Iowa, like great, please report back on what you are hearing from, you know, the Americans that you encounter. Like this is good qualitative texture that is a valuable yes. supplement to what we hear in the polls. But that's very different than like, my Uber driver said X, which therefore must mean that lots of people feel this way. Right. That's and dangerous. We don't have on here, but
0: we we could, which is, the, like, qualitative data that, like, doesn't really stand up to, like, being swing voters. Like, you know, I went and talked to somebody and like, five seconds after the article goes online. It turns out they're, like, a Republican, you know, party operative. And you're like, okay, well, they're not a swing voter. It's like – so there's been a variety of those things, yes. which – you should not do people should avoid doing that. You should do your due diligence. I know it's tough. like the folks who want to talk to reporters probably there's a reason often. and but you can figure out if they are truly something. um, you know, beyond a swing voter. And obviously, folks on the left get annoyed by the, you know, we went to a diner to talk to a you know to a Trump voter, and they don't care about impeachment, like like daily constant barrage of of that and not as much of the like. We went to talk to, you know, a young person or a person of color in the Midwest who's felt like completely, you know, threatened by the policies of the Trump administration. Like there's fewer of those stories. At least that's the perception on the left. Anyway, that's not on this list, but it's kind of in the Uber driver. Like, how do you gauge qualitative data? How do you know if qualitative data is being well reported and integrated? Or is it just confirming whatever someone wants to write up a story about?
1: The last one we've got on this list yeah, but this poll was taken online. It's not a good poll because it's online, right? Well, there's lots of
0: really good polling online. You, you can have voter file there's match. good polling online and there's bad polling uh, online. Yeah, guys. no, there's good. I mean, it depends. Obviously, the Mechanical Turk we've talked about. But, like, there's good polling. That's voter file match back. You know something about that person. Or it's useful to kind of getting a read of where people are nationally. You can use it to kind of dig deep, do fun things. More experimentation is sometimes available on telephone. Um video and such fun little exercises that are just not really well suited for phone. And so you can get some good, interesting context from there. Um, sort of related, and this is not on your list, but this was on my list, which is the issue polling is bad. Yes. Have you seen people say this, like issue polling is bad?
1: See, I feel like that one, I, I originally had it on the list and I swapped it out for... But weren't the polls wrong in yeah, 2016 yeah. as this like umbrella thing you will definitely yeah. hear? I, I hear that more in like very inside baseball conversations like in hashtag this town. Yeah. where people are like, yeah, but why would you poll somebody on a policy issue that they haven't thought about ever? And that is a somewhat val Like that's not a, a question that is a dumb question. Right. Like, and there are polls that I will sometimes chuckle at where you're talking to someone about like – Single issue vaping voters, for example. Or a poll that's like, let's talk about risk corridors in Obamacare, right? Like, uh, it is highly likely that the people you are interviewing have never heard of what, like, what are we going to do about the risk corridors before? Um, But that doesn't mean that it is irrelevant to ask them questions about what sorts of protections should or should not be in place for insurance companies if insurance companies are told that they're not allowed to raise rates certain amounts, should the government bail them out if they lose money one year? Like That's that's an interesting question that somebody's maybe never thought of, but it doesn't mean they can't give you a valuable answer. So don't ask your issue questions full of jargon, but you can ask people their thoughts about things that maybe they haven't thought of before, And that's still useful to hear. Right. I think part of the reason people have
0: this issue polling is bad is different. You know, there is also like, well, why would we ask people something that's, you know, so detailed? And so that's fair. And then there's also the folks who respond to like public polling on this where it's one question, you know, about whatever the issue. And it's either one question done by a polling like a major outlet, which is, you know, not going to have the full all the nuance or it's going to come from a group. You know, group does poll shows that groups issues is really important, right? Which, you know, is importance sometimes can be an important addition to the conversation. But you also like need to look at the question wording, too. And so, for example, the single issue vaping poll that we talked about before. So, you know, for some of these things, you can walk people through a story which doesn't always get released. Like, do you know about this? Here's a little bit more. Here's something that maybe has more information than you were expecting. But now here are some things for and against or different things, outcomes that can happen. And then now, what do you think? That's like what internal issue polling looks like. It's not always released in that kind of in all its glory, but that's what the kind of internal how do you talk about this issue stuff looks like. Anyway, issue polling is not bad, but people do like to just, you know, look, their no- look down their nose at it like, I, I'm smart. I'm a good consumer polling, so I hate issue polling. So therefore, what, you only like horse race? That goes back to like horse race polling, which, you know, yeah. let's mix it up, folks.
1: So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will do our final year in review wrap-up, Biggest Polling Bummers, Things We're Most Proud of, Resolutions for 2020, and a look at polling on holiday shopping.
0: Okay. So we're back. Now we're going to be fast. We're going to be chatty because you have a heart out. But our year in review.
1: Our year in review. Let's start by – let's start on the the, bummer bummer note. Biggest polling bummer. The bummer –
0: I should not be a surprise. The bummer was – Governor Steve Bullock missing the, the debate stage because there was the op- question about open end question. And also there was one respondent and how that one respondent was weighted in a question in a poll that came out right before the deadline. That's those were some an bummers. Unbelievable <laughs> heartbreaker <laughs> That was a bummer.
1: Um, my biggest polling bummer is the persistent, continued Accumulation of evidence that Republicans are not doing well among young voters this time actually got picked up in a David Brooks column. Um, Republicans have a generation gap. Surprise. Um, So my my biggest polling bummer is that like that evidence continues to accumulate a pace with no sign of changing.
0: Yep. Including this morning.
1: Including this morning in the the new Pew data we talked about.
0: Okay, so poll you're most proud of, Kristen?
1: Uh, so at Echelon we won um, we won some Polly Awards. We won a Reed Award this year, which are the like political consulting industries like Oscars and Golden Globes. Yeah, I'm really inflating the importance here. I think perhaps, but th- that's it's a our different world. show. We okay. could talk about that. Yeah, um, but we uh, got an award this year for something called Analytics Jumpstart, which is basically our product for campaigns. That maybe they don't have the resources to spend on a big benchmark survey and a big analytics model uh, kickoff. And it kind of is a hybrid of the two. It lets you do one survey that can be can kind of do double duty. That's cool. So analytics jumpstart for 2020. If you're a campaign, check us out.
0: That's cool. We have done as a firm... Um, incredible amount of work on race and identity this year that we're all really excited about. Like we've learned a lot and it's added to the conversation. So we did some work for uh, the UNAM Fund that studied race uh, in the South uh, with almost four dozen focus groups with um, African-Americans, Latinx and uh, white voters. Um, We did a big project that had 3,000 interviews with African-American Latinx folks for Groundwork Collaborative. um, And like dozens more, we did some tribal uh, work in a couple different Native American communities. We did a get out the census poll that was translated in a bunch of languages. So, um, so it has been a interesting year in really looking at different methodologies, different uh, communities, and digging deep in some of these political and economic questions.
1: So polling resolutions for 2020. Margie, what's your resolution? We're
0: going to do more text to web. I mean, we have done some text to web, but we want to do more text to web to like big, you know, help like dig deep in this question of how do you reach folks on um, their cell um, who may not pick up their cell? And, you know, how can you make sure that you're you know reaching voters where they are?
1: Very interesting. You should talk to Patrick about that. We've had some very interesting experiences this year with text to web. It is quickly
0: evolving. Like it is. It is. It,
1: it, he was very bullish on it, yeah. and then I think we had like one incident where there were like a, the text went out, and a couple people who received the text were like, "Wait a minute, I didn't ask to be on this list," and that like began a cascading series mm. of like train wrecks. That, mm. it was fine. I mean, the, methodologically everything was fine. It was just like business side headaches. Right. So. This is a rapidly evolving space. Godspeed to you. I wish you well. OK, note to self, <laughs> call Patrick. Check in on Patrick so that you guys can learn. Oh, it's We
0: love to get polls. You know? <laughs> I thank you for this text.
1: <laughs> um, and then my polling resolution for 2020 is to give my clients longer field time estimates for web surveys. So when we began doing web surveys matched to the voter file, it was very exciting because this lets you do online research that is very, fairly inexpensive, but still highly credible. You know who these people are. It's great. Um, But what we've noticed and we've started doing this with our verified voter omnibus is that there are certain like types of voters that are really hard Mm -hmm. to reach. So you kind of have to set quotas for like we can't close survey fielding until we have X number of people. Young Republicans. Yeah. in these hard to reach (laughs) buckets. Um, And so but that like really slows down your field time a lot if you do that. So our initial surveys where we weren't as picky about that. Man, you could go in and out of the field like before you blinked your eye. Right. And so I was giving clients these estimates of like, oh, yeah, we'll give you, we we'll give you day tomorrow. It's great. And now I'm like, no, no, no. Like telling people you have to wait a little longer. You can't just get this now. It has to finish fermenting. Yes. <laughs> Under promise and
0: over deliver. Yes.
1: So I am now, I'm going to give my clients much longer estimates of how long it will take in the field and surprise them with great data early if I can, instead of like me stressing out and be like, oh, but we don't have enough people in this young Republican bucket or whatever it is. It's always
0: a good, it's always a good default, but it's tough because you want to be like, I I can do it, but you know, but being, but it helps to have more field time, obviously. Always helps to have more field time. Okay. Holiday shopping. Our friends at National Retail Federation have released some results. 91% of consumers plan to celebrate the winter holidays. Okay. Now, 19% start shopping in September or earlier. Yikes. Okay,
1: I guess. That's that's some planning. 39% say they start their shopping before November, which seems more reasonable to me. Says the lady who has 32 hours or th- I, 72 I hours to, to order something for my husband before we get in the car. Yeah,
0: I still have a couple left <laughs> Go for the holidays. I, I'm, so. I'm getting there, but I'm not, I'm not all the way there.
1: So and then the top toys and holidays shoppers list. They split this by gender for boys. Legos, Carson trucks, Hot Wheels, video games, Paw Patrol, Marvel Action Figures, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, Nerf, and Xbox are the top 10. For girls, Barbie, dolls, LOL Surprise Dolls. American Girl, Legos, Hatchimals, Apparel Slash Accessories, Disney, Disney Princess, Baby Dolls, and My Little Pony.
0: I mean, I don't want to like put my children into gender roles, but my daughter wrote up a list and they both wrote Christmas lists. And my daughter wrote on hers. Um, some of the things that are on this list and also a planner, <laughs> yes. Am I, and I'm like, what kind of planner do you need? And she's like, I'm not sure. I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> meanwhile, I give her every little book I get before, you know, when you like speak on a panel and they give you like a little book, I'm like, "Ta-da!" and she's always like, yes, like that's exactly what I want. Anyway. Um, and then my son, he put on his list real scorpion (laughs) that was on his list (laughs) along with like sword truck you know and (laughs) I mean he told someone else he wanted a wrestling set I don't even know what that is
1: but like (laughs) he's basically he might as well say like ball of fire you know (laughs) like (laughs) I mean I've got to imagine there are some good like kids science experiment kits that could be a real winner
0: we've had those and yeah, I don't know. They're like, they require like too much precision. They just want to like make a big mess and leave it all over the house.
1: Well, you can do that with Mentos and a exactly, bottle of Coke, Exactly, so. exactly, That's That's a cheap way to I have know. an exciting. Uh, I, that's why I'm off the
0: <laughs> science kits for a little bit longer.
1: Okay, so happy holidays, folks. Enjoy
0: your break. We'll be back the week of the 6th.
1: Until then, you can find us online at, at the Pollsters on Twitter or at Sanderson at Margie O'Meiro, at www.thepolsters.com or on Facebook, We think you guys are fantastic. Thank you for listening to us during 2019. 2020 is going to be a wild ride. Buckle up. We'll see you next year. We're here.
0: We'll be here.